Whenever I was young, I was flipping through the channels, as, I, as kids so often do on TV, and I came across this series called Law & Order. Now, Law & Order was great. I, I loved it because it followed an overall premise of a crime being committed, the investigation happening, the investigation, the results of the investigation being brought to the order portion of it, the, the law portion of it, going through a trial, and then sentence would occur, um, whether it be guilty or innocence. And throughout the entire years that this was on, and even the offshoots of it, the thing that has always survived is the formula. Dick Wolf, who was the main producer of that series, was a genius because in the first 30 minutes, you had your police investigation. In the last 30 minutes, you had your law investigation. And the formula worked. So what I want to do with the series, the end times timeline, what I want to do is go through what the police did at the very beginning is I want to go through a timeline. That's the entire sermon series. We're going to go through the timeline, which is what investigators do whenever they're trying to piece together clues to find out what has happened, the actions that were taken, motivations that had been going through the criminal's mind or through people involved, and the results of that, the final verdict, as it were. So in this one, what we're going to do in part one of the Grand Times Timeline, we're going to go through the Grand Timeline, the, the whole thing from beginning to end. And what that's going to involve is a nice $20 word called dispensationalism. Now, some of you may have heard it from other ministers who get into end times talk. Dispensationalism basically is a way of dividing the entire word of God into time periods. Uh, this gives us an indication of not paths to salvation that occurred during each time period, but basically it's set up a time period for which there was a pattern throughout each one. There was the responsibility, what God expected of his people. And then two, came about a failure, okay? God laid down the responsibility, people failed, okay? And then the third is a judgment. A judgment is given to his people throughout each one of these time periods in the Bible. And then it was followed up by a grace, Okay, a grace period, a, a grace to be able to move on. <clears throat> so the dispensationalisms, from the standpoint of what is going on, boils down to basically seven periods in the entirety of the Bible. Okay, seven periods, basically there is the period of innocence. Okay, the period of innocence, then it's followed up by the period of conscience. Then it's followed up by human government then the period of promise, and then the period of law, and then the period of grace, and then the, it's the millennial kingdom period. So basically, the Bible, whenever we're looking at it, can be divided up into seven segments. So let's talk about the age of innocence. Now, the age of innocence starts at the time of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and it lasts clear on up to the fall. The moment that Adam and Eve 
took the fruit and bit into it. And it was Adam that basically, whenever he bit into it and Eve bit into it, their eyes were open. The age of innocence was done. So there's really, we could get into time periods as to how long the age of innocence lasted. That I, I go by one, there are other theologians that go by another. It's irrelevant. The very simple fact is, is that during the time of innocence, several things occurred. And it basically, God gave the responsibility to, the, to Adam and Eve to replenish, replenish the earth with children. Okay? And then he gave, us the, gave them the responsibility to subdue the earth. Have dominion over the animals. He gave us dominion over the animals. And to care for the garden. And then abstain from eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So at that, at that age, those were the responsibilities that were handed down from God to Adam and Eve. Okay? And there were others too. These are just the highlights. Um, you know, Adam named all the creatures and all of that. And we see the responsibility, but then there was, of course, the failure that occurred. Um, now, it's important to understand that between the age of innocence and between the age of conscience, there's the fall. But also what happened during that time is the war in heaven. The war in heaven broke out. This is a time when the archangel Michael booted Satan out of heaven. Satan and a third of his angels. So between Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, the war occurred. Okay, Satan and the third of his angels, now they're devils or demons or unclean spirits. However you want to call them, it's a synonym. They're walking the earth. Now, they're not in hell. No. Hell is prepared for them, but they're not in hell. There are some angels that are in chains and in bondage until the day of final judgment. But that's what's going on. So I just want to make that clear because to understand the timeline of the crime committed to final justice, we have to know where all the players are. We have to know what is in play. Now, Satan is doing his thing during the time after Michael booted them out of heaven to present day and even up to the point of the tribulation. He, he and his devils are running around. They are persuading humanity to do specific things that they are not to do. Um, the devil, since he was an architect of music while he was a cherub, the chief cherub, he is influencing media, music specifically. He is possessing people. He's setting up methods of communication so that his children can, who want to follow him can communicate with him, that being like divination, um, through spiritual mediums, through all of these different things. He's setting up his methods, and there's a whole slew of other things that are going on. There's even battles that are going on. And before we get too blurry-eyed and dizzy-eyed with all the information, whenever I post this online, I'm going to have scriptural reference to everything that I say so that you can look it up for yourself. So you're not going to have to worry about remembering every little detail because there is a lot here. And like I said before, I'm going to hit you with a lot of information. 
But during the time of the age of innocence to the age of conscience, this is what the devil's doing up to this point. This is what a third of his followers. And this is the thing, and I'll jump ahead. If you go into Revelation chapter 12, this is what Revelation chapter 12 is talking about. It's talking about the grand story of what has gone on. It's not talking about, and people who read Revelation without understanding what's going on, they look at Revelation 12, which is the chapter preceding the whole mark of the beast and the beast rising up out of the land and of the sea. They look at that as saying, okay, this happened before it happened. It hasn't happened yet, but it's not true. Revelation 12 goes into the overall grand scope. Okay, so to sum up, the age of innocence happened at the beginning of creation. God gave us responsibility. We failed in that responsibility. There is a consequence to that failure. And then there is the grace. And then we get into after the eyes of both of them were opened up, we come into the age of conscience. Now, the age of conscience, there is definitely a time period. If you track the lineage from it found in Genesis 5, from Adam to Noah, the age of conscience lasts roughly 1,656 years. So what God is basically saying is that, okay, you, you believe that you know more than what I'm giving you. Okay, we're going to let you run the earth based on your conscience. Okay? We're going to let you have at it, as it were. So... <clears throat> The thing that happened at the very beginning of this age is the consequences happened. There was a curse on the serpent, okay? He had to be on his belly and eat dust. And there was enmity placed between his seed and her seed. So there's a little bit of truth to this. And this is the great thing about dispensationalism. Dispensationalism in the parts of the Bible that are meant to be taken literally, they look at it literally. It is a lot easier to read scripture and to understand scripture when we know what things we are to take literally and what things we aren't. I mean, there's hyperbole, there's allegory, there is narrative, there are all those things. But with regard to most of it, it is meant to be taken literally. So whenever God curses the serpent to go on his belly, it's like, okay, at one time he wasn't on his belly. Yeah. I digress. But the curse of it is that the um, serpent was to be on his belly. There is a change in womanhood and childbearing that goes on. This is the consequence. A curse on nature. So, And this is not with regard to nature just towards the earth, but towards the universe. All of creation happened at that point. Um, there is the imposing of difficult work on mankind to produce food by the sweat of your brow, that type of passage. And then the promise of Christ. The promise of Christ and the seed which will bruise the serpent's head. Okay? <clears throat> so there are, those are the consequences. So throughout the 1,600 plus years that happened, they were left alone, working on their own conscience. You know, follow your heart. They, they followed their heart and they were wicked completely wicked. In fact, it came to the point that every single thought that was in their hearts was of evil and how to do it. That's why I, I look at 
the times we're living in now, so much of the promotion of, of following your heart is out there. And it's like, it didn't work so well back then. I don't think it's going to work so well now. But in any case, 1,657 years. So the age of conscience was going on at that time. And then, of course, comes Noah. Noah is given the instruction to build an ark for he, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. And then they go through the flood, the consequence of God wiping out not only mankind except for them, but also for the animals that happened, or the animals during that time, sands, the animals that Noah took into the ark. And then what happens, we remember that God remembered Noah, that um, they, the, he receded the seas, and then we go into the age of human government. Okay, The age of human government basically lasts roughly about 325 years. Okay, And then this is the promise that God made to Noah and his family. God will not curse the earth again. Noah and his family are to replenish the earth with people. That's their responsibility. They shall have dominion over the animal creation. Okay? They are allowed to eat meat. The law of capital punishment is established. And then there will never be another worldwide flood. And the sign of God's promise, which is found in the rainbow. So we see all of this. So the third age of dispensation happens and is going on. Well... What, what did they do? They, they failed again. They failed again. And then there's going to be a consequence, and then there's going to be grace. We, we recognize the overall pattern throughout all of this time. So we get into, from Genesis 11 to Genesis 12, we get into the age of promise. <clears throat> now, the age of promise lasts about 430 years. Okay, it starts with Abraham. And this is where God... God has set up a plan from the very beginning. I mean, it's said that we are chosen before the foundation of the world was ever made, okay? So the age of promises to Abraham and his offspring that the promise of being a chosen people will occur by circumcision, that whoever blesses them will be blessed, whoever curses them will be cursed. And this is a really important thing because God is establishing a separate people And the whole thing with all of this is that those separate people, the offshoot of Jesus, and all of us will stem the promise of us being saved through him and through his people. And this is the whole thing, pardon me, this is the whole thing with regard to dispensationalism. We cannot forget the Jews. They are God's chosen people. And even though we are headed in towards the end times, going into the tribulation before too long and into the millennial kingdom, they are not forgotten. And they are meant to do a separate function. Now, they're established in this age of promise. They are established. But there is a lot of what's called replacement theology out there that says that the promises that were given to the Jews, they are no longer his chosen people, that that's moot after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that they discarded Jesus, so they're no longer a part. We're his chosen people, not the Jews. That is simply scripturally incorrect. And I don't have enough time even in this sermon series to go into why that's incorrect. But the Jews play a part during this time. 
So it's through 430 years that this promise occurs. And then we move into the age of law. The age of law happened on Mount Sinai when Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments of the people. Okay, The age of law began. <clears throat> now, the age of law occurred for roughly 1,500 years and actually is in it now. We are in it now, along with the age of grace. The law, Jesus said, that not one jot or tittle of the law will be removed until all is completed. Now, a lot of us think that all being completed means his, finished, his finishing work at the cross, but that's not true. All will be completed at the end of the millennial kingdom. But we are still under the age of law. Though us being born in Jesus, we are not subject to the law anymore because the old man's died. Okay, The law is meant for those that are not saved. So that law is still going on right now. <clears throat> we get into the age of law, we get into temple practices, we get into conduct and standards by which God wanted, um, and this is what God expects to us. And then the age that we are in now, we're in the age of grace, or the age of the church. And this happened at Pentecost. There, there's some difference of opinion as to when this started, but all of us can, really, can go into the point that once the pouring out of the Holy Spirit happened, that the age of grace began, and it continues on to this day. Now, the age of grace, really, we don't have a time limit set, but we know when it'll end. So it starts with the coming down of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. The dispensation is worldwide and includes both Jews and Gentiles. Man's responsibility during the dispensation of grace is to believe in Jesus, the Son of God. Okay? <clears throat> and the dispensation of the Holy Spirit indwells believers known as the Comforter or the Counselor. Okay? Um, it will end when the rapture of all born-again believers from the earth go to heaven before the time of the tribulation. And then following the rapture will be the judgments of God's lasting for seven years. Okay? So even though the rapture and the tribulation period really isn't considered a dispensation. It's, it's the in-between. So if we were having like a bar graph and we had the age of grace and then the age of the millennial kingdom, we would have a little gap that's going on right in the middle that is the age of tribulation, which lasts for seven years. Now, like I said, between the age of the tribulation is a seven-year period, and it's usually called Jacob's week. Okay? And week from the standpoint of the original Hebrew, can mean seven literal days or seven years. The instance of Jacob's week was found in Genesis whenever he was working for his uncle. So whenever we get further on in the series, we'll get into Daniel and the 70 weeks. The one week that is left is the week of tribulation period that's going to go on. So the age of the millennial kingdom, and folks, I... We dispensationalism and the whole thing about studying the end times really seems to center on, okay, what are the signs, the rapture, what's going to happen in the what's going to happen during the tribulation? <clears throat> but I got to tell you, the interesting stuff is what's going to happen during the millennial kingdom. 
because there's a lot of stuff that I haven't heard that in doing my research, I was really surprised at what's going to be going on during that period. The, the age of the millennial kingdom happens right when Jesus sets foot on earth, splits the earth, takes care of the devil and his followers, and tosses them in the lake of fire. The place that was prepared, no one's in, but at that time it's going to be occupied. And then there's going to be a literal thousand-year reign of, what, of what's going to happen where Jesus rules in the holy city and all of the believers that survived their two sets. All the believers that survived the tribulation period, and there aren't that many, and all the believers that were taken up that now have glorified bodies, we will be able to go in and out of the holy city and be able to have communion with each other. Lasts for a thousand years. And then you could call it an eighth age of dispensationalism, but once the millennial kingdom is over, there is no need for dispensationalism anymore. No need for the law. Everything is made new. We, we remember reading that and hearing it in Revelation that... Um, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We read about the holy city descending on the earth. We read about that. And that is going to be after the millennial kingdom. There will be a final uprising that's going to happen. God will come down in fire. And then the earth and heavens will be purified in fire. All of the elements will dissolve. And then we will have a new heaven. And importantly to remember, a new earth. Okay, The earth's not going to be destroyed. Heaven's not going to be destroyed, but it's going to be purified. It's going to be purified. Sort of like <clears throat> um, whenever I worked at Modine for a time, there, were, um, there was a machine called the solder pour, and I would stick bricks of lead within it. Well, the, the area of it was so hot, it would melt the lead, and you would have rising to the top dross, that you would scoop up. Those are impurities in the metal. So I would scoop them off and it would be left with this pure shiny metal. That's what's going to be happening at the end of the millennial kingdom. There is going to be a huge amount of fire that is going to burn away all of the old sin that is going on. And that has gone on throughout heaven and earth. It will be removed and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. So this is the overall timeline, and I hit you with a lot. And, I mean, if you're like me, whenever I put this together, I mean, I was like a bobblehead. I was like, oh, jeez. And, like I said, I will put all of the stuff that I discussed as well as referencing scriptures so that you can go back to on the website. But this is the thing that we have to understand. We have to understand the timeline, and we have to understand it because why... Does the tribulation have to happen? Why is Satan able to do these things that he's able to do and not see a final judgment? What, what's going on? We have to understand before we delve deeper into specific areas of prop, prophecy, we have to understand the grand timeline, the ages in the Bible that are happening. And in understanding this, we come to a final thing. And this is the thing with people that's a lot of Christians that get into end time prophecy stuff. They, they think that it's gloom and doom. They think that it's just going to be this horrific show. Well, yes and no. 
Yes, it's going to be a problem for people that are not saved. They're going to have trumpet judgments. They are going to have seal judgments. They are going to have bowl judgments. They are going to have all these judgments poured out on them. But for us, we're not going to have to worry about it. And we'll get into reasons why. Um, to specific verses that we all know about, but also as to how God dealt with innocent people whenever he was punishing a specific group of people where the innocent people were or within a particular region. We have to understand this because there has to be reconciliation of this world. God, that was God's plan after the fall that occurred. God will reconcile the world. And we also have to keep in mind, too, in understanding the grand timeline, we have an understanding that there is a deadline. And nothing really focuses people's attention like a deadline. Okay? Um, this age of grace ain't going to last forever. It's going to end. And with the signs that we're going to be talking about later on, the end is we're at the 11.59 and 59 second point in the grand clock. So that means for us that every single opportunity to talk about Jesus and to lead people to him, we need to take. Because if we don't, we're going to have to answer for why we didn't. Not in judgments, but just being able to come to the Lord and answer for that. Amen.